This is Not True But Useful, a podcast from Cheek by Jowl. My name is Lucy Dawkins and I've been chatting to artistic directors Declan Donlan and Nick Ormerod about all they have discovered about life in theatre in four decades of making plays all over the world. In this episode, I'm talking to Declan about an unusual piece of advice that he has for actors. Good morning, Declan. How are you doing? I think I'm doing fine, Lucy. How are you? I'm not bad, thank you. Um, I'd love to talk to you this morning about the art of forgetting things in the theatre. Because I heard you talk to actors recently and advise them that the best thing that they can possibly do before they walk on stage is to forget as much as possible of what they've done in the rehearsal room, which sounds like quite a radical and a slightly scary idea. Can you explain more about what you mean? Yes, this is only useful and not true. I mean, in general, like politically and so on, forgetting things can be extremely dangerous. One of the reasons that acting gets blocked a lot, not just on on stage, but in film and television as well, is that the actors got too much in their heads. And my experience of being a theatre director trying to help actors is to take things out of people's heads. And that can be very difficult because people get scared when they get things taken away from them. And people like to feel they're being given more and more. They've got much more in the bank account. And actually saying, no, no, you've got you've got too much. It's like an aeroplane that's got to make an emergency landing. It's got to unload the petrol before it's safe to land. And it's very important to know that your head has to be as empty as possible in order to play. Because you can't be remembering the rehearsal when you're on stage. I call basically everything that you do in rehearsal the invisible work. So can you explain a bit more about what that means? What's the invisible work? And the visible work, what's the difference between the two? Well, the invisible work is, broadly speaking, the rehearsal, and the visible work is is the performance. But the rule is that you must not be showing your preparation while you're on stage at all. And the reason for that is not necessarily because the audience isn't interested, but your brain has to be free. The whole flow of your body in the space has to be so free that you can actually be in the moment. Um, And that's why you have to be able to forget the rehearsal when you perform. And it's not good if you're in a play watching the actor on stage remembering the rehearsal. And so just to qualify here, when you say forget everything, you don't mean ignore everything that you have ever done in rehearsal and do whatever you like on stage. I think you're suggesting that what you're going to do in rehearsal is going to remember itself, right? Uh, Of course, we have to get real. We, we can't lead our lives consciously remembering everything, but I'll remember things when I need to. You have to un- allow your unconscious brain to remember things, which we do every second of our lives. But sometimes we sort of forget that when we go, go on stage and we think we need to remember everything. We have to trust that it will be there when you need it. That's the important thing, to trust that it will be there when you need it. So it sounds like you're trying to help actors reach a point on stage where their bodies will remember everything important you've covered in rehearsal. Yes. Sports people and dancers, they're very used to the expression muscle memory, which is which is basically that, which is that the muscles remember things that you don't have to consciously remember from one move to another. But actually, it's not just dancers. I mean, we all do that. Much more gets embodied in it. or so goes to a lower part of the brain where things are just there when you need them, like to remember how to walk. What I'm talking about, the art of forgetting, it's when we lose confidence in our memory and we we go through trying to remember everything. (laughs) You know, I mustn't forget the name of this person. And you're trying so hard to not forget that name. That's that's precisely what you do. (laughs) (laughs) That's awful. But it's because you're kind of concentrating on remembering. And we shortchange the audience if if they're watching the company on stage remembering the rehearsal 
or remembering their lines, heaven forfend. Um, mm. We've got to be at a sort of different level from that. All of these things have to be out of the head so that you can actually play absolutely in the present moment without any external judgment coming in. And that's very much to do with the invisible work. You don't want to see any of the rehearsal on stage. It's not that easy to be attentive. Sometimes we do a play that hasn't been performed maybe for two weeks and it has to be performed for like two or three nights in some foreign city. And we'll make sure they do a full run. Nick would say because the space is always slightly different. And the reason is that when the audience sits there, they mustn't be watching the actors remembering. That won't be a good performance because all of the actor's energy has to be devoted to seeing through those eyes and seeing absolutely the world as is seen by each of those characters. And that's hard. It's very hard to be present in that world. But if you had on top of that a remembering, where do I move now? Where, what's my next line? It's not good at all. So I, I do find that very useful to do so that you don't have to be remembering. I mean, this, this is the thing that I'm quite obsessive about, that anything that gets in the way of the flow, you have to get rid of. And remembering is one of the things that gets in the way of flow. So you have to be free to play. And we don't want any of your calories going into remembering things. You have to rely that it will be there. I mean, the best way to forget your lines is to think, do I know my next line? Yeah. I guarantee that you will completely lose your lines if you have a bit of a panic and think, I don't know my next line. So it's like the actor's job is to remember the lines so well, they don't have to think about remembering them so that the character can be improvising the text live in the second that it needs to happen. Yeah, I always try to make sure the actors know all their lines before they come to rehearsal. And that's because in the rehearsal room, we need to be completely available to what we're doing. Not, I mean, I can't have my nose in the script. I've got to be absolutely alert, attentive and present with what's happening in the room, which is hard. And that's what the actors have to do. It's really important that I live in the present actuality and not with some dumb fantasy of how the play should be that I've dreamt up with Nick beforehand. I've got to be available. And the actors do actually need to know their text so they can be completely available in rehearsal. And so it sounds like it's also advice that applies to you. You've got to do so much preparation before a play even begins. You know, it takes months and months and months before you even walk into a rehearsal room. But then you need to forget it. Sort of. I mean, actually, I've got to be quite selective with the amount of preparation that I do. One of the pieces of advice I give to young people that they sort of hate hearing is don't read too much because you'll just fill your head up and just be quite try and be selective with what you read. You, you don't want to read too much and you don't want to kind of over-prepare the wrong things or you'll end up in a state. But you need to know a good grasp of what you think is happening. But be absolutely available for surprise to occur because what you go in thinking is happening ain't going to be what's happening and it's going to be the thing that's revealed epiphanically in front of your eyes in the rehearsal room if the flow is good that's going to be the thing that you want to make the show out of and it's interesting because i think the process of making a play is so inherently terrifying right yes there's so many moving parts yes. so many things need to gel together in order for it to work yes you're never quite sure what you're making until it's there in front of an audience yes. mm. And it can be really comforting to think, oh, if I just prepare everything beforehand and then we do colour by numbers, it's going to be magnificent. But actually, that's a way towards making something that's actually kind of a bit dead because it's not open to the liveness of everybody collaborating on something. No, exactly, exactly. And, you know, the best laid plans go awry 
And you have to plan on the understanding that when it actually happens, it's not going to be like that. It's a bit like storyboarding a movie, actually. That's quite a classic thing that with control, 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 must know what every shot's going to be. But, you know, when you finally hit the space, if you're on location, and the camera's there and the sun's in that position and whatever, you'll you'll completely throw away the storyboard, as Nick and I discovered. And it's just fascinating to discover that the new space. But quite terrifying for a producer, because they said, what have you done with the storyboard? So well, that was just to get us into the room. You know, now we see this is much better. Yeah, exactly. And it takes a huge amount of bravery to do that. But it's also very liberating, I think. Well, yes, I mean, I, I think it's essential to me. I mean, I can't, I simply can't plan things like that. And I don't, and I don't want the actors to plan things as well, but what, with one exception, and that is they have to absolutely know the text and, and then we can start there. And then I can start deconstructing the text and breaking it down into syllables, which we've talked about before, for example, but that they need to come in with that basic thing. There's something that the director, Peter Brook, says, a director that both of us hugely admire, which is that the best thing you can do is to walk into a rehearsal room, not with an idea, but a hunch about something. Yes, I completely agree with that. Hunch, maybe even a haunting as well. In other words, something that you're grappling with. I, I love that idea, a haunting. Mm. The idea that the thing that we're exploring in a room, you can't always put your finger on. In fact, you, if it's any good, you can't put your finger on it. And the essence of a haunting is you can't explain it away. And that's why it's so powerful. And that's why I think that a central characteristic of any good art is that it haunts you. And if you understand it, you've stopped it being a work of art. You should try to understand it, but then let go mm. and this thing about forgetting also seems really useful when we think about making judgments about characters right because yes. when you read a play you're naturally going to judge the characters by what they do like Macbeth does horrifying yeah. things mm. over the course of that play mm. but you can't be playing that judgment right there's going to have to be a forgetting at some point yes and I've got a word for the forgetting the word for the forgetting, which is a really important thing, is the spinning the mask. So I come back to this image, I'm afraid, of on Greek vases, like two and a half thousand years ago, you see the image of the actor in the mask. And you also see fewer images of the actor studying the mask. Studying mask is like the invisible work, is like the rehearsal. But there's the most vital step, I think, of all is missed out, which is what I'd call spinning the mask. When you're approaching Macbeth, you may well have thoughts like the fact that he's a monster and he's paranoid and you might think of all sorts of things like that. And I will too. And that might be one of the reasons that you'll get attracted to the play. I think it'd be quite inhuman to say, I've got to keep an open mind about Macbeth. And you think, well, yeah, but, but he does absolutely terrible things. And it's great not to be judgmental, but we are. And, you know, from an ethical point of view, you can't possibly be neutral about Macbeth. So... In part of the invisible work, you, you will have to bravely, you know, face up to the terrible things he does, which involves the murder of children, and have to understand that. And it would be appalling, I think, if you don't if you don't judge him. But then this moment happens. You have to spin the mask, and after you've spun the mask, or we can talk it the moment of conscious forgetting, you have to look through the eye holes of the mask. And with relentless horizontality. So that's the moment when you must suspend judgment. And you have to play Macbeth without any moral judgment. Otherwise, you're never going to be any good. So it has to be entirely from Macbeth's point of view. But the step that often gets missed out is the spinning the mask moment. And I just really like to sort of make a plea that it's really, really important because the mask must be fully spun, because the performance must be absolutely clean of any contamination by judgment. You know, if Macbeth was actually murdering children in front of you, then you'd have to go on stage and stop it. But it's not. It's an enactment of something. 
and it encourages us to think about things and how these terrible things happen. But you can't do that effectively if you're going to be playing the moral judgment while you're actually doing it. Personally, I'm often a very judgmental person, I'm afraid, and I struggle with that, you know, out myself as somebody who's sometimes rather judgmental, and I try hard not to be. But the only time that I can do it absolutely purely not be judgmental, fun enough, is when I work, and I know that it'll kill me if I do. So that, you know, in the invisible work, I might say all sorts of things you might have heard on these podcasts, all sorts of horrible things about, you know, characters in plays. But actually, when it actually comes to the doing it in the room, I have to spin my mask, I have to turn it around, and, I, and what I absolutely must do is see through the eyes of those characters. See, what does it look like? What does the world look like if you're in that person's shoes, you know? Great. So I think that's where we're going to end for today on the noble art of forgetting things in the theatre. That's right. The absolute crucial importance of flow. And thank you very, very much, Lucy. Thanks very much, Declan. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Not True But Useful. There are more bonus episodes to come. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, then head on over to the Cheek by Jowl website where you can find past series of this podcast, along with images and videos from the company's productions. The music you're hearing now was composed by Sergei Chakrashov for Cheek by Jowl's production of Three Sisters. Three Sisters.